0: Hola, Docolo, Welcome to the Documenteers Podcast, the best documentary-themed podcast out there. My name, Bob Sham, and each week myself and a fellow documentary-watching human being combine to discuss a different documentary. This week, Drew, our ESPN Film slash Sports Fanatic Splash (laughs) slash 30 for 30 documentary correspondent, joins me as we continue to go down the list of the sport documentary series, with one that stands out still, even after the 100-plus of these documentaries that ESPN has done since. We go to Columbia during a very notorious time for both soccer and drug lords in Jeff and Michael Zimbalist's documentary, The Two Escobars. I bet you know of at least one Escobar that we will be discussing. More on that later in the episode. Next week on this podcast, we tee up the first of several current-year docs that we're going to be catching up on ...throughout the rest of the year and into January. We'll be hitting up holiday themes on the way, but it's going to be a lot of that new-new for a little bit. And Akhil joins me for this documentary that I think got a lot of eye-rolls when it dropped on Netflix. In some ways, it surprised us, and it is one of those documentaries that many folk felt the need to chime in an opinion on. We're no different. Akhil and I discuss the Alex Stapleton doc that is produced and stars the comedian Chelsea Handler in her examination of race and privilege in society with her badly titled flick, Hello Privilege, It's Me, Chelsea. Can whiteys get woke watching Chelsea get a little heat during poetry slams? This is truly a white-made movie about race made for white people, but I coerce a kill into discussing it anyway, if only to prove to Eldridge that he isn't the only black co-host that ends up talking about race on this show. Scope out my privilege and join us next week as we discuss... All of that right here on The Documenteers. Music snippets that we play only long enough to not get sued are all rap songs. An easy guess as one of the subjects in today's film discussion is the drug kingpin Pablo Escobar. Rappers love Pablo and it just works here in this film discussion. The rappers we hear in this episode in no particular order are Gucci Mane, Lil Wayne, Big Pun, Cash Out, and Wu-Tang Clan. Specifically, Ghostface Kills Verse from their classic track "Protect Your Neck." All those rappers mentioned Pablo Escobar, and I actually showed restraint considering how many rappers mention him in their songs. Our fade-out track in this episode, I came across searching for Colombian rappers. There's some, but I randomly came across this track by a rapper named Dillinger or Dilligne, who is not from Colombia. He's actually from Venezuela. But I latched onto the song, and so I play it in this episode. It's called Sicario, and I like it. documenthearspodcast.com for ways to hear and contact us. Five stars in a review on places like Apple Podcasts make for a great holiday gift, and it helps us tremendously. Best of all, you can brag to your friends and family that you did this charitable thing while they just nod politely because they don't know what you're talking about. Into the cocaine now with the ESPN film The Two Escobars. By the brothers Zimbalist. Keep on, doc. Here is a
1: motion picture film. A thousand feet. 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. Associated Press has reported that Columbia received a death threat at the team's hotel in Fullerton, California. Se habla de
0: que un brujo llama, y dice que no puede jugar y meter la pierna. ¿Qué pasó? O sea, tengo algo muy horrible.
1: Amenaza hasta la familia, los hijos, que, que iban a violar a mi señora, que iban a encuestar a mi A ver me a mi hijo. Iba a cumplir tres años. Yo entré en una crisis nerviosa impresionante, que a uno no nada. Oye. Nos sentíamos en otro planeta, o sea, no nos sentíamos
0: que esa fuera la realidad que estuviéramos es viviendo. Se llorar como un niño, a llorar, a llorar y a llorar, a llorar. Sabíamos que teníamos que ganar sí o sí, que era la última oportunidad
1: que tenía. Que viene con una mano negra que está interviniendo, comienza una crisis anímica, psicológica y fuimos a jugar bajo esa tónica. Ahí está el
0: Yeah, fall mode. It does. It is starting to feel like fall as we're recording this. And I'm living for it. These fucking muggy-ass Tennessee summers, man. They're intense.
1: I really almost forgot what cold, rainy days were like. (laughs) I woke up yesterday, and there wasn't sunlight just pouring into my house. And there was rain. I'm like, what is this peaceful feeling that makes me want to stay in bed (laughs) all day? (laughs) Man, I love New Orleans, but
0: I couldn't imagine living there in the summer. The only times I've been to New Orleans is autumn or later and it can still be hot as shit. Muggy. Yeah. Is this 30 for 30 we're talking about? It's got to be the longest one we've done so far. Feature length. We've done feature
1: length ones before.
0: We have, but they kind of clock in at about an hour and a half. This one's an hour
1: 45. (sighs) Hour 45.
0: So I assume when it was on TV, it was like two and a half hours long (laughs) because we know ESPN, they do commercials like constantly.
1: But this one's a big deal. I think this actually got released sort of separately from 30 for 30 also as a regular feature. Oh, uh, Catching Hell was like that as well. Yeah, I think you can find somewhere out there just some DVDs or, or Blu rays of this individually as a movie as yeah. opposed to just part of the 30 for 30 series.
0: And up top, this is, I think this is good, pretty good shit, man.
1: Strong, it's one of the more famous episodes for a reason. I mean, how many do we have right now? <laughs> how many 30 for 30s are out?
0: Gosh, I think we've done like 15,
1: maybe. Yeah, but there's there's hundreds at yeah, this point. Jesus, it's still one of the most famous ones, number 16 in the series. And kicking uh, off the second half of the original 30 for 30 series, I guess. I guess so, if I can do math right. We're almost done with the
0: first uh, disc case of my collection. <laughs>
1: I noticed that too. <laughs> it's like, well, well, we've skipped ahead a couple times. There is a milestone. We're not going straight hand. in order. Yeah, that's true.
0: And we will continue to do do that. Also, if people are going following along at the order of which we're going based on what is in the DVD collection, if that sounds outdated enough for you, then you would think you would know that we're skipping one. It's like the June something nineteen ninety
1: two one. A day we all remember. Nineteen ninety four.
0: Which is a purely edited, which I am excited to get to that, but I thought it would work much better if we save it for around that same time. How long ago was that at this point? Do math (laughs) real quick.
1: I guess we probably should have done it this year. Because this would have been the, what, 25th anniversary? Oh, Right. But we weren't looking ahead. You know, we weren't. And you know if we did
0: look ahead, and I check this because I do that with the scheduling, I'm becoming very anal retentive with the podcast (laughs) scheduling. You're
1: a professional. (laughs) Once you went to that Illuminati and learned from all of the best. uh, I don't remember
0: I don't remember the Illuminati, but I noticed like shit kicked up a notch since I came back.
1: Something in your brain. (laughs) <laughs> they helped me Getting I gotta those, say those pro podcasting despite how sore I was and horribly disfigured
0: I have to admit that I really seem to have come away with something positive there it's all worthwhile right yes but, but if we did think <laughs> to do that one 30 for 30 this year we would have done it on the day yeah we'll just do that
1: for the 26th anniversary that's the <laughs> one that really matters yeah I'm a big That's I'm
0: more into the number 26 than the number 25 right
1: Twenty six is what, the uh the ten anniversary? I'm not sure how these things work.
0: <laughs> Aren't we in the 10th, 10 year anniversary of thirty for thirties this year? I think they started coming out in like two thousand nine, right? That sounds right. Wow. Congratulations, thirty for ESPN or or your dad Disney. You think <laughs> Disney's ever gonna come down on us?
1: Don't <laughs> no worry, man. We are uh We're reviewing. There's there's some loopholes here. We're reviewing and we're promoting. They should be you know, coming to us saying thank you for talking about all of our movies, even the ones people totally forgot about 10 yeah, years ago. That's true. A lot of
0: these are pretty well forgotten. <laughs> but do they like it when we hate it? Sometimes Some we Some people do. live off the hate. Yeah. I just want to keep it 100 here on the documentaries. We're talking about the film, The Two Escobars by Jeff and Michael Zimbalist. The Escobars. The, the Zimbalists es- of them all. Zimbalist. What else have they done? Are they big time? I forgot to look them up. All right, cool. I think they do a short, an ESPN short, which we should do a shorties block of that soon. There's
1: plenty of those out there too. Yeah, right. We have we've done four. (laughs) Yeah, this is a big deal. This was a feature length thirty for thirty, and you can tell it's a big deal already. Some of these these feature length thirty for thirties, like the U that we did earlier. As soon as the introduction hits and you're like, "Oh, they they spent money on this one." But we go right into it, right into the highlights of World Cup 94 where the United States are big underdogs to Colombia. If by highlights you mean death threats on the Colombian team, threats of family rape and child kidnapping. The Associated Press has reported that Colombia received a death threat at the team's hotel in Fullerton, California. In case you haven't noticed by now, We're Americans. Bing, bing, bong, bong, bing. bing. And I don't know about you, but I remember this. 1994. It was a big
0: year for a lot of things.
1: We were young, but I was a big sports fan already. And this was the World Cup being hosted by America. This was the year that was supposed to turn America into soccer fans. The U.S. team playing in the World Cup on home soil. All the best players in the world coming right here. It was a pretty exciting moment for kids who played soccer or anybody who's just into sports in general. This was a big, big deal. Yeah, Hearing this and going right away into the Colombian side of this is them going into this game with the dark hand hovering over them. Their psyche, they're talking about witches and kidnappings. <laughs> <laughs> Shit gets real right
0: off the bat. Shit is getting real, but let's go back, Marty. Gotta get back in time Back to 27 years earlier in Medellin, Medellin, Colombia I guess that's how you pronounce it This film is mostly in Spanish, so Probably not going to, I'm not going to clip that much Which
1: is sad, because there's some really great quotes
0: Yeah, that's true, but I kind of, just for fear that I You do it
1: for Werner Herzog
0: I'm (laughs) miscontextualizing something, just taking it, you know But, (laughs) look, I'm a dumb American Bing, bing,
1: bong, bong, bing, Do it if it was in German (laughs)
0: <laughs> I do only do snippets, and I think <laughs> I'm conveying something, but I'm really not sure if I am or not.
1: They take us back because they want us to meet Andres Escobar, the person.
0: The man's skilled. He's a very studious little child and very dedicated to the craft of soccer.
1: A smart kid, but they make him choose between soccer and his studies. Soccer wins.
0: Now, a lot. the thing about the two Escobars, we're meeting the first one, is that they were both born fucking poor as shit. And I guess there's a good thing about soccer is that if you get a ball, you got a game. You get a ball and open flat surface, you got a game. It's even nicer if you have a field. Fields are preferable, but if you ain't got shit, you, make, you can make do with what you got. Still work on that shot. But in a, this is a country where the poverty rate is pretty fucking high.
1: Well, that's one of the main reasons why it's the biggest sport in the world. Because you don't really need anything to play it. You don't need a whole bunch of gear. Like you said, you get a ball or even something... Roughly round shaped, yeah, and like here, kick it around.
0: Here in the U.S., it's in most towns you can find soccer fields and basketball courts. These are sports where you just need a ball. You
1: see it in baseball a lot too. Some of these guys that came out poor have the best hand-eye coordination you've ever seen. Because they grew up playing baseball with a bottle cap and a broomstick. You do that and a baseball looks like a beach ball when you finally get to play with the real gear. <laughs> a bat with a barrel on it. You can really hone your skills with with not very much. And Andres Escobar is pretty great. <laughs> He's shown some badassery at a very young age. He gets a little bit of luck and gets called up to the Nacional team. yes. And he, he comes from a devout family, and his
0: mother had passed away when he was very young. And But he was also kind of, he's a very religious guy. Andre is very, very much presented as, the actions he takes isn't always perfect, but you get the feeling that like Andre does not have a lot of choices uh, in this matter. But his number one choice is soccer, and that's really paying off for him.
1: And he does want to use it to kind of help his family and where he came from. He knows this is a good path that's available to him. Even though he was good in school, soccer's where the future was. He's on
0: Team Nacional for Colombia. And that team is backed by a fellow by the name of Pablo Escobar. Pablo, Pablo, Escobar. on my like Pablo. with dope like Pablo. Pablo. Stop the track. Maybe you've heard of
1: him. This is the time when Colombian soccer is really coming up. Because all of a sudden, they're getting good. They have money to start keeping their players. They can keep their best players. They can bring in international players and trainers and good coaches. There's a lot of money coming into soccer right now. And yeah, we meet the other Escobar if you've listened behind to tw- this Nationale team. If you've listened to 20
0: rap records since 1990... <laughs> then you have some idea of who Pablo Escobar is
1: What does Pablo do, Drew? He seems like a very generous man You know,
0: in some ways, he you could say that Sort of a Robin Hood of
1: Colombia? In a way, based on some narratives, you know He also runs the Medellin Cartel Pablo, 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 Pablo I feel like Pablo Escobar Fish in my car Fish in my role.
0: That is right. And they run the cocaine. And their success comes from that. And we're at a time where Pablo has a great mini influence. But as we meet him now, he is basically like a a controller, a kingpin of Nacional soccer. And we meet Jaime Guevara. Todo el mundo estaba super feliz porque Pablo era el capo de capos. Pablo's first cousin. You could do 5 documentaries on shit that comes out of this guy's mouth
1: a Oh man, the people they got for this documentary and the footage they got, everything is it's unbelievable. Having the stories that he tells and then you also have uh, Popeye in there. Interviewed from prison, (laughs) who says he killed around 250 people for Pablo, but only psychopaths keep counting. (laughs) He's just, you know, (laughs) rounding off, taking a stab at it. I enjoyed how straightforward
0: a lot of this documentary was. Yeah, we were, we did some heinous shit, no doubt. He dismembered over a (laughs) hundred.
1: That's
0: secondary. That's a weird thing to laugh at. It's just like the abruptness of it I'm just kind of laughing at.
1: The honesty in these interviews, how open they are to talk about this era era now, is really exciting. And then it's juxtaposed with this kind of cool soundtrack where Pablo and his crew are just riding their motorbikes all around Colombia.
0: I won't lie, (laughs) a lot of Pablo shit shown was kind of cool in a weird way. It, it's you can kind of see this the pop culture appeal of a guy like Gaspar. He was a murderous guy, but he but he came up in such a way that the forces that he fought against he never owed them anything from his past. You know, in a lot of ways, if you're like dirt poor and you see the type of people Pablo or is taken out, you'd be like, well, what what the fuck do I care about this judge? All this judge has done has made my for- poor family harder to live. Of course, he's also, like, blowing up entire planes to kill single people. And uh, it's hard to get behind that kind of shit.
1: Yeah, just a little <laughs> bit. But they mention that he is the richest criminal in the world. He's on the Forbes list. Rumored to have over $3 billion. He could make $50 million in a day, they said. And this part I appreciate in the documentary as well. They, they go into what ends up being the crux of this whole narrative. But they don't get bogged down in the details. Yeah. They tell you that look, real quick, a little narrative on the criminal underworld. You can make all this money off the drugs, but if you want to use that money for other things or send it out for legal purposes, you've got to launder your money somehow.
0: And uh, soccer. Probably soccer. The, the best thing
1: in Colombia. Yeah, we're going to call it soccer. We're American.
0: Bing, bong, bong.
1: It's a nice, easy way to do it. Yeah, this is a right away something that you wouldn't really put together just thinking about this story from the outside. But they do a nice job of describing it here and not, again, getting bogged down in the details. Just telling you a couple examples where you can say that a thousand more people showed up to your stadium than actually did. You got to point out that
0: for this to work perfectly, all ticket sales have to be in cash. Yep, which they did. <laughs> in our credit debit card world, that seems funny to us. But in a country that's mostly impoverished, a lot of these people aren't going to have like bank cards and shit. In the
1: 80s and 90s too, you got to yeah. remember. But plus you can do your transfer fees for players, which are usually million dollar fees. Yeah. So what's an extra million or two that you claim on that and then toss your drug money in to cover the difference? All of a sudden that's legal money on the books. So Pablo running this team, it's a great investment for him. But he's also a legitimate, huge soccer fan, and he's invested in this Nationale team.
0: How different is he than, say, Jerry Jones? (laughs) I mean, if you heard that Jerry Jones blew up a plane full of people, would you be that surprised?
1: Not really. (laughs) I definitely wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, laundering some dirty money through the Cowboys' contracts.
0: I think even in this country, if you were just like a shit show of a human being, but you made the local sports team win real good... I think people at over still overlook a lot of shit, you know.
1: Uh, we, we don't talk too much about these guys anymore, huh? No. <laughs> Donald Sterling's really the only one who crossed the line. <laughs> we kind of feel bad for Robert Kraft at this point, right? It, that, that poor guy got his name dragged it, through the mud for just a couple of handies.
0: Yeah, yeah it was getting off that worth it, Bob?
1: <laughs> anyway, there's <laughs> a shocking correlation here that when you can pay more money for players and coaches and trainers, the quality of these teams go up. And the Colombian teams start getting way, way better very quickly. So we get this sick montage of goals being scored.
0: If you want to see a sick montage of goals being scored, this film will provide that for you. Some cool, cool shit. We see a goaltender. Talk about that goaltender save.
1: Oh, man. That one's later on. But that's unbelievable, where he just waits for the ball to get to him, doesn't use his hands, and does a sort of a front flip and kicks it out of the goal with his... Feet behind his head. Yeah. It's an unbelievable play. He could have just caught it. Boy, you're really
0: showing off at that point.
1: <laughs> that is. That's putting a little flair on it for sure. But man, this this little montage is so great because they have the calls from the broadcasters. They have a good soundtrack going through pretty much this entire movie. It never seems to be slowed down through this extra length mm. because they've got this beat. This is sort of behind the scenes, but not really. And we get our, our catchphrase narco soccer oh
0: man and then we're introduced some other cartels and this is like a rundown of a lot of the activity that was going on in and around colombia at that time you got the el mexicano millionaires and there's the uh cali right fernando wait miguel is cali right yeah cali a different uh, area of colombia right i remember I was thinking like oh they're from baja california i
1: don't <laughs> know but they're all buying uh, soccer teams and be in charge of this. You know, one good idea deserves another and they are getting competitive with each other. We talked
0: to Fernando Rodriguez who is, I forget, the nephew of Miguel or something. He would later run shit for the Collies but he talked about, I love these guys. Like they admit to this bad shit and the, but then they'll caveat things. My uncle, he wouldn't kill somebody to win a soccer game. Pablo Escobar would kill anybody to win a soccer game. That was the difference between Cartel of Cali and Cartel of Medellin. Pablo Escobar was more powerful because he was more bloody. He threatened everybody and said, Nacional wins or everybody will be dead. That was it, and Nacional won.
1: Pablo was obsessed. The Cali Cartel bribed the referee in a game against Nacional. So Nacional (laughs) ended up losing this game to Atletico, which was Cali's team. And Popeye says that immediately afterwards, Pablo turns to him and says, kill that referee. And sure enough, referee gets killed. They have footage of a lot of this. And you think like... Wild. You might think
0: like, why referee did you do that? But I mean, he he may have had very limited options either way.
1: Oddly enough, after that, Nacional started winning a lot more of these games. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know if that's connected or anything. But they make it all the way to the South American Championship.
0: 89.
1: The Copa Liberators. This is the first time a Colombian team has ever been in the championship. Wow, really? Of this tournament. This is what it said in the documentary. And they're facing off against <laughs> Olympia, a team from Paraguay. Olympia gets off to a lead, but super dramatically, Nacional comes back, ties the game at the last second, and it goes into penalty kicks to decide the championship. And Andres Escobar takes the first shot. Nails it. But don't they
0: tie it up and there's like multiple kicks going on?
1: Yeah, it goes down to the penalty kicks and it ends up going nine rounds of penalty kicks.
0: Lionel Alvarez, the eighth kicker, manages to score.
1: Gets the winner with a little stutter step move. Colombia Nacional, Pablo Escobar's team, wins the Copa (laughs) Liberated doors yeah. <laughs> the championship and they are fired up Popeye says that he's never seen Pablo Escobar so happy <laughs> as in this moment when his team wins the South American championship the first time a Colombian team has ever won it they show us that Pablo really cared about his players yeah treated them well they take him he takes them to parties at his ranch all the time, but he thought of them more as friends than as something he owned as a team ownership. I don't think you could say that about many American pro sports right now. Do you
0: think the guy who did the team fox catcher thing was like like the like a yuppie mentally deranged Pablo Escobar in a way, like he was trying to be in a
1: way. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that one eventually. Pablo's cousin says that this caring about the players it goes all the way back to their youth. He turns to the camera and says, I'll tell you this story. And man, I was riveted. <laughs> I was like, oh, please tell me this story. Yeah, yeah. What, Jaime the
0: cousin? Yeah. Yeah, anything that this guy was talking, I was like leaning.
1: I want to know this story that goes all the way back to the youth of Pablo Escobar. And it takes you back to metal in Colombia in the 60s now. I'll back in time. And this huge divide between the rich and the poor.
0: We see Pablo saying the rich never do anything for the poor. I got to admit, there are aspects, there are things that Pablo would be shown saying in this movie where I'm like, that's right, that's true.
1: What? Rich people don't care about <laughs> poor people? <laughs> Get out of town. So he starts stealing from the rich people. Death yes, queen. If you're going to steal from anyone. But you know what happens, he's so good at it, he moves up into drugs, and all of a sudden, he's a rich person.
0: Because rich people put him down so much, he forgo all the trappings In styles that a rich person would do in solidarity to where he came from. Unfortunately, that never really happens, does it?
1: It sort of does in this situation. Is young Pablo Escobar becoming rich off his ill-gotten gains? Yes. Decides he doesn't want to be one of those rich people that he hated. That his whole community hated. That they looked at passing by and just could see him flipping off those guys. Uh, That's true. I mean, one thing you could say about some curses.
0: One thing you could say about Pablo is that he did. He never quite forgot where he came from. I think what I mean in the style is like, why would you want to
1: look like the people who used to oppress you? Exactly. In all these films, he's wearing check suits and sweaters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: But it. Is, but he, but you can definitely say that Pablo never forgot where he came from. It's a big part of why. He became what he became
1: and also became so brutal in a way. You can argue if it was out of kind of this semi-noble idea of giving back to the communities that brought him up. Or if it was all calculated from the beginning and he knew just by giving away a small, small percentage of his money he could get so much loyalty. Among these poor people who had nothing and they would like him unlike those rich people he'd been jacking through his youth
0: He knew that it wouldn't take much compared to what they really need to have a more comfortable existence in their day-to-day life But
1: nobody else was doing that for him. So he starts going around the country. He's building soccer fields everywhere he goes
0: Yeah, and you start seeing in the slums like decent looking soccer fields are popping up
1: So these guys have somewhere to play and it's such a big deal for these people who didn't have very much and we get to see these guys who ended up becoming the biggest stars of that era. We see Leonel Alvarez and the goalie who made that unbelievable save, Rene Higuita. They all played all day in these games. There were tournaments in the slums. And when they were doing this, they were talking about who built these fields.
0: Nacional, during this era, is essentially Pablo's team. It's Pablo's pet project and a lot of people and like you stated earlier people hung out with Pablo that were on the team because he thought of them as friends and now the narrative we hear when people talk about Andres is that he didn't care for this but he knew that doing this was for the greater good but that he was never ever comfortable with it and then you see go to Jaime and he's you feel like Jaime's overdoing it a little bit he's like he's practically Oh, uh, Andres used to sit on Pablo's knee and <laughs> tell the and tell and Pablo would tell him bedtime stories. They were so close; they were like father and son. But Andres was more of the religious type, still. Yeah, that, that upbringing he, that he had. He now a lot of people in this culture would probably consider themselves religious, but it seemed like Andre refreshingly wanted to take as much of it to heart and into his life as possible. Instead of maybe other people around him that. Claim real religiousness, but it doesn't seem to stop them from mass murdering.
1: (laughs) Maybe, maybe. You can
0: appreciate, even as a person who's non-religious, you can appreciate, if if that's true about Andres, appreciate that that was a part of his life and that he made it work in that way.
1: I love this other little story we get around this point in the documentary where they talk about... Pablo and some of the other cartel heads that he was actually on sort of friendly rivalry terms instead of murdering each other rivalry terms with. Right. Who would build their own real-life fantasy dream teams of soccer teams.
0: Like, literally, they're buying players to put on their respective teams.
1: Not just the, the teams that they owned, like Nacional, but they would take some of the best players from all around the world pay them a huge amount of money to come to pablo's compound to play one game against each other again these are just like fantasy teams (laughs) that they would put together and then make huge multi-million dollar bets about whose team was going to win and play in a one-off game these players would go in they'd fly in they'd play one soccer game and then they'd leave with their money (laughs) in the meantime these these massive drug lords are betting millions of dollars on the the result just kind of for fun that's the kind of shit i'd do if i was a billionaire how fun real life fantasy football how fucking fun must those
0: gatherings have been (laughs) Come on, you wouldn't turn it down.
1: (laughs) Uh, I mean, I'm sure the players just kind of were in and out and maybe had a good time partying while they were there for that one day Yeah, yeah, yeah. and didn't think too much of it. Just, all right, that's a paycheck, whatever. Uh, It'll be fun playing with some other greats. It's like, yeah, I'll get like $5 million and I'll do whatever Uncle Pablo wants. (laughs) But it's just fun. And they have footage of these soccer fields. A lot of the footage they had in this documentary had me saying, is this real or is it kind of a reenactment? I'm still not totally sure. But they had aerial footage of Pablo's compound of soccer games going on at it. (laughs) And they have lots of graphic footage later on that we'll see as well.
0: Well, there was a level of tolerance and acceptance to what Pablo was doing. He was effectively controlling the underworld. And maybe the government at the time was not quite as capable or didn't have the what you call the infrastructure to deal with something that on the level that pablo has built but in the united states bing bing bong bong we already discussed the story of uh lynn bias right man the u.s was totally cool just partying with their cocaine until lynn bias died lynn bias (laughs) died and we saw suddenly the war on drugs got ratcheted up
1: Uh, go back and listen to that documenteers episode if you need a little bit of a refresher on how that affected the war on drugs in this 80s america and then
0: we get 80s gop moral posturing in the form of cracking down on drugs so that involves mass incarcerations by minority and poor people all throughout the u.s and of course you got to save a little face because they've been hearing about this pablo escobar he's He's doing really good at selling drugs, and he's—they all knew about it. They were all partying in Miami with all this cocaine too. And most dangerous of all, he has millions of impoverished people supporting him, and nothing's more fucking dangerous than that. So the United States government teams up with the Colombian government.
1: They sign an extradition treaty, and that they, these drug dealers will get sent to the U.S. to be properly punished against you know those people, not the ones that, where they live.
0: Pablo speaks up about Colombia's spineless oligarchy. And I got again, I'm like, man, he, he well, everything he's saying right now is right on the money.
1: But again, is this kind of him actually caring or is it all a calculated maneuver? Because Pablo's doing this so that he can get voted into the Colombian House of Representatives where he'll have diplomatic immunity from being extradited to the United States. And he has built such a groundswell of love and loyalty among the poor, he's almost a messiah to these poor people in Colombia. They cite a, one example where a slum burnt down and there were over 700 families living in a dump. Jesus.
0: I mean, we, And
1: they have footage of this, too. We, we have footage of all this shit that they talk about. It's fucking wild. So Pablo builds houses for all of those families that were living in a dump. In the worst conditions you could imagine. And they named their village <laughs> Pablo Escobar.
0: They they said that slum was torched when they first brought that up. I didn't know if that meant purposefully or accidentally. I mean I guess you could go either way, right?
1: Maybe, but they ended up living in the dump. So you it's imagine about how cynical you want to be about Pablo's motivations here. Yes, buying houses for seven hundred families out of your own pocket yeah. sounds like a great thing. But he's also in the middle of this push to get voted into the House so he can have diplomatic immunity for himself. Pablo, Pablo, let's go. you don't want
0: to war with Pablo.
1: Sure. Out of these own rules and to build that loyalty. And, you know, who, who torches slums? <laughs> but, I mean, as say you're a, a voter in
0: Colombia and you got you can vote for Pablo, who will rebuild these homes, or you can vote for the government establishment, Shill. Who won't rebuild who these Who lets homes. you live in a dump yeah. with
1: your whole family. <laughs> there really is no choice in the matter. Except <coughs> that the Colombian government establishment isn't exactly cool with a known cartel leader <laughs> joining them in the government. And they end up making a push and kicking him out.
0: Hey, it's democracy's democracy, right? Uh, <laughs> he may be corrupt, but he's elected in. Can't handle it. They kick him out of the House of Representatives.
1: Lara Bonilla, Minister of Justice pushes
0: this forward
1: right after that happens they get assassinated but there's a new politician <laughs> who steps up and is pro extradition and get pablo escobar out of our country give him to the u.s make him their problem oh what? he gets assassinated blah, 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 blah. <laughs> he's dead and we come out of drug tolerance and into full-on war yeah these two assassinations really make it impossible for the government to keep covering their eyes and ears about this
0: Pablo's like, sooner a grave in Colombia than a prison in the United States. Don't want a war with Pablo. Bing, bing, bong. He fucking means it, too. Pablo.
1: He fucking bo- is bombing government buildings and killing judges. No extradition. Anybody who's for this extradition treaty that they signed with the U.S., he's going after them. He's working assassinations. They blow up the plane. They say at one point that they killed 540 cops during this period. They're just so open about this. <laughs> the people who are getting interviewed for this most of it is Popeye yeah, who's in jail who's right hand man and <laughs> he talked about how hard they'd, dude they'd have 10 to
0: 15 armored cars to battle the cops in the street Whew. can you imagine that if you're a pol- like a policeman and then it's suddenly it's a small war cops here pretend it's like that but cops there are like uh, you could just be, be fucking dead before the end of the week
1: it's full blown warfare in the streets they're not hiding anymore They're going straight after it, and the government's coming after them. There's footage. There's footage of people dragging bodies through the streets and firing machine guns, the pursuers, on both sides of this battle.
0: And a lot of this shit is being backed by the United
1: States. They're the ones who want this extradition and are doing that. But we flash back to Andres Escobar, who's now the captain of the national team of Colombia.
0: A lot of what we get from here on is filtered through his fiance girlfriend at the time,
1: Pamela Cascardo. Another example of the people in this film being so honest and so open in these interviews is the coach of both Nacional and eventually the national team, um, Coach Maturano. So honest in this whole thing. And he talks about the national team now in this terrible period in Colombian history. They want to be seen as something that can be a kind of a beacon of hope. We mention this in so many 30 for 30s, this idea of sports being something people can, in difficult situations, can pin hopes and dreams to and kind of come together at the same time to root for outside of whatever else is happening in your life. So he says he wants his team to show off the personality. We're seeing that ridiculous goalie save by Higuita. We're seeing unbelievable goals again. (laughs) Double bicycle kicks, just all sorts of flair. We're seeing the crowd. And the crowd is so into these matches. They do this thing that I've never seen in any American games I've been to. Where the people in the crowd, stadium seating, you know what it is. Everybody behind them has their hands on the shoulders of the person in front of them. Mm -hmm. And they're just rocking back and forth in big lines. This looks way cooler than the wave.
0: We see here during this time, proud Colombians. Proud of something that, well, I guess maybe if you go into the bureaucracy behind it all, you... The shades start changing, but on the surface, supporting local players and the national team, everyone is
1: on board and it's as positive a thing as we'll see throughout this film. And they're good. They're giving the people something to root for. They played 26 international games before the World Cup, the 94 World Cup. They only lose one of them and we see highlights of this. It's a big montage of all these scores of Colombia winning and it's a good one all sorts of goals they beat Argentina five to nothing. Argentina is
0: always a contender just the idea I think that they said that's the first time that they actually beat that Argentina the hardest Argentina had been beaten in it's just very rare they get trounced in that way
1: Argentina had never lost like that before and this was the biggest game. That they've had up till then, this was the qualifier for the World Cups against Argentina. If they win this game, they're going to the World Cup. And they're uniting this story we've go back and forth on so many times about sports. They straight up say it in this. Rich, middle class, poor, politicians, everybody... Is United rooting for this national team? They're inside the they stadium
0: all, with national pride. But are they all in the same
1: seats? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, all all classes of people have always enjoyed sports, you know. And you can stand next to each other and grab their shoulders and do that yeah. rocking back and forth thing if you want. It's not exactly like when we <laughs> when we watched the one about South African rugby. They're not putting them in different sections of the stadium to start with. But yes, there's there's obviously that divide. But the whole country is behind this national team again. The president's calling the players after games to talk about it. He's going to almost all the games. And it, when they showed up to this match in Argentina, everybody in Argentina was just like, drug dealers.
0: <laughs>
1: drug dealers. Because that's anything the international community knew about Colombia. Yeah. So that's what this team is trying to change. They're trying to give everybody something exciting. And again, it might be a little creative liberty in this. But they go out on the field, they whoop Argentina 5 nothing, and they said the Argentine fans gave them a standing ovation by the end of the game.
0: Look, Argentinians, you guys hid Nazis, all right? So chill.
1: <laughs> and they're going to the World Cup. And they're an actual contender for the World Cup. Yep, They're ranked number four in the world at this point. They're Pele's pick what? to win the World Cup. And there you go. Which blows everybody's mind. The, the player they interview at this point says they're basically levitating when they hear Pele pick them to win the World Cup.
0: There's now su- they are beyond superstars in their home country, well-known throughout South America, and respected completely
1: internationally by the greater soccer world. And- Andres was the captain for a lot of this period. He's a laid-back dude. He's doing commercials, though. And he's, he's known as the Gentleman of the Field is his nickname. <laughs> Andres and a... Escobar is the Gentleman of the Field.
0: Y- don't you? You should tell your... Uh wreck softball league teammates that that's what you want to be called
1: hell yeah (laughs) call (laughs) me the gentleman of the field now there
0: is a break in the drug war but pablo you know the one the one good thing he's probably making maybe even more money than ever because now that it's more illegal the profits just shoot up but of course he's on the run all the time and i think it's jaime or popeye tell a story of how they're very paranoid that uh military forces are going to find them and they hear Pablo like yelling and they're like oh my god what's going on and he was like no colombia just scored a goal and he's <laughs> really happy he's running to keep from being extradited and <laughs> but he's like still has enough happiness regarding the the national team
1: and he's still doing his his goal right now which is to get everybody against extradition so he's he's murdering pro-extradition judges, he's bribing them. They say they show up to everybody's house for assemblymen and offer them the, the old cliche, do you want the silver or the lead? Do you want to get paid or do you want to die? And eventually he gets enough assemblymen on his side and they do a constitutional amendment. Something that would be incredibly hard to overturn as we've seen here in America. A constitutional amendment in Colombia that bans extradition. You know, in Trade general... Is over. Extradition, illegal, by Constitution of Colombia.
0: Corrupt measures aside, I can understand why any country wouldn't want to just do extradition. You know, it's like... And then you're just oh. playing this, like, corrupt international game.
1: Team America, world
0: police. Fuck yeah. Plenty of criticisms to go around all
1: over <laughs> the place. But uh, Pablo makes another interesting move right now. In recognition... Of the brave people who are in search of justice and have overturned this horrible extradition move that the U.S. forced upon them, he decides to turn himself in.
0: Yeah, now he doesn't get extradition, and actually, politically, this is probably the best outcome you can get up to this point. Yeah,
1: well, he's still a billionaire, and he's living in this prison. Prison, quote-unquote. He he won't go there until they build soccer fields at the prison. Okay, I guess we'll do that. (laughs) Uh,
0: That badass goaltender we mentioned earlier, Rene Higuita, he visited Pablo in prison, and it was a huge scandal. Politically got kind of pushed out of the team because of that.
1: Well, they ended up arresting him on some trumped-up charges right after that. Arrested for
0: moderating a kidnapping, he said.
1: Which nobody even... Pretended wasn't about him visiting Pablo Escobar in prison right because there the government at this time was trying to draw that line so hard between this soccer team that everybody is excited about and this drug culture that had been tearing the country apart for years. but Pablo's control
0: over Nacional is still relevant because it wasn't just Renee who went to go see Pablo. <laughs> Several, if not all, the players eventually made their way to that prison to spend time with Pablo.
1: His cousin Jaime, who's telling these stories, is basically laughing about that. He's like, yeah, the entire team went to visit Pablo. They played games at this prison soccer fields. The
0: Colombian president, he feels cucked. He feels like his flaccid penis is in a tiny little cage.
1: Renee's mistake was getting caught on camera.
0: And the Colombian president's like, no, I'm in control. I'm going to move Pablo to the U.S. to save face, which <laughs> is against the Constitution of Colombia
1: that's when they realized that he owned all the guards there as well he was basically running his whole operation from prison <laughs> he hadn't slowed down at all when he turned himself in so they send in the u.s government to come and get him and he just walked out the back door before they got there i give an order to my peeps across the
0: water to go and snatch up props all around the border and give fall like a shooting star to shoot out all is living the life apart pop- empty they described it like it was almost like a movie set like a prop (laughs) building pretty much yeah he put himself in
1: prison (laughs) air quoting so hard
0: uh we get a clip of grampy bush playing hard playing a tough guy and announcing that he's putting military
1: resources into the colombian war on the cartels pablo embarrassed the united states and the cia and now the united states is joining in on this And other drug kingpins see the writing on the wall. And they start joining up together and with the police, with With the the United States.
0: This is the problem with the U.S. government getting involved in foreign countries is that they use this grandiose justification. They know how to knock the top off the tower, right? They don't know how to piece it back together. They They know they
1: want Pablo Escobar. And by
0: golly, they're going to get him. Because he's the one he had control. The level of control he had, the chaos that would follow. They they can live with that. They can't live with a
1: guy who actually is successful at it. He embarrassed them, so they join all these cartels. Join forces with the cops, with the United States. Carlos Castrano. Castrano. Is, is kind of the guy who becomes comes out of this at at the lead of the Pepe's. Yes, and the Pepe's are. <laughs> People persecuted by Pablo Escobar.
0: Yeah, and don't think that because they got an assist by the U.S. government and the Colombian government that they are somehow any bit more moral. In a way, these motherfuckers go
1: hard. Oh, now they have sanctioned. The police are on their side. The United States is on their side. They just know they have to get Pablo Escobar. So they decide to kill anyone associated with Pablo Escobar
0: including his family whether they be children or adults and they actually gutted one of his cousins in front of his wife and child
1: when we see some graphic scenes yeah during this part of the documentary of the Pepe's with kind of their almost government sponsored violence campaign trying to flush out Pablo Escobar who's really on the run right now yeah and eventually in 1993 they got him oh what
0: i gotta commend the documentary because you know it would be easy to expound on the death of pablo you know because it's one that you can probably a story you can see more specifically in other places but i i commend the documentary on showing restraint in this regard because We do know, if you know a little bit about Pablo, eventually he'll be shot down and there's that infamous picture of dudes like hanging out by his dead body and shit. I I appreciated them not being redundant in this regard. But yeah, Pablo is found and he's straight up fucking killed. And I'm sure he didn't go down peacefully.
1: This was a long documentary, but they didn't really waste much time.
0: It didn't feel that long to me.
1: No, they were going, they had the music, the kind of soundtrack driving scenes forward, and they had great... Great transitions, great quotes. Once Pablo Escobar is finally killed, they just straight up break it down. The, all the wealthy of Colombia were celebrating.
0: And the poor were sad as shit.
1: All the criminals in the prisons were crying. All the poor went to his funeral. And they show video footage of these people in Colombia who had nothing living in these slums. Crying and saying, what will we do without Pablo?
0: now Pablo Escobar's dead he won right so now Colombia's just gonna be okay now right it'll be yeah. the government's control the US is in control so that means it's awesome now they killed the big bad yeah. drug lord now let's go into peace land right yay peace land oh no wait shit ratchets up to a 15
1: without a boss running everything everybody wants to be the next boss yeah and the city just spins completely out of control everybody's out for themselves and the death toll is just rising and rising and rising.
0: Players' sons are kidnapped. Sometimes they would get them back. I say sometimes. <laughs> uh, and this is wild because it's, it, it was said by, I can't remember if it was Jaime or Popeye, they were like, you know, that shit didn't happen when Pablo, like Pablo had rules. He may have, he could be brutal, but he had rules. And one thing he didn't do was kidnap people's children. But the Pepe's, who now just filled a void, filled a vacuum... They don't seem to give too much a fuck. In fact, it's not only the Pepe's, the whole underworld is fractured and no one gives a fuck about what each other does to each other.
1: Well, the deal with that is when that that leader, that boss, falls. Before, all this criminal enterprise had to run through them. You needed permission from Pablo to do this. Now every petty criminal is doing whatever the hell they want.
0: The Pablo's in the casket and everyone's like, I'm the new Pablo. Too many Pablos. (laughs)
1: <laughs> there's two Pablos, <laughs> two Escobars. Sorry, I blew the whole thing. And meanwhile, they're still before the World Cup. Andres Escobar gets an offer from Milan to yeah. go play in Italy in Series A. They don't mention if it's a AC Milan or Inter Milan, but he gets an, an, an offer from Milan to play in Series A. He's going to take it. He talks to his fiance and his sister, and they're planning for life in Italy as a series A top league soccer player in this the first Colombian player to get an offer the fucking Chinese the legend league. Mulan invites Andres to play on her <laughs> soccer team wow meanwhile the great goalie Rene heguida is still in jail <laughs> because he had visited Pablo Escobar he's while the, he was in prison yeah he's the fucking fall guy for something everyone did so they have to pull another goalie out to play and then they get to go they go to America to start the World Cup 94. as one of the favorites and their opener is against Romania.
0: Yeah, they got this right. Not uh, so much. During this process, a player's brother is killed. We get a lot of names. I don't have them all. But yeah, they lose the opening game to Romania. And you don't want to lose your opening World
1: Cup. No, especially when you're a favorite. But their, their new goalie made a mistake. Their goals weren't fallen. They lose this game to Romania. And yeah, immediately afterwards, one of the player's brother is murdered in Medellin back Fu- home.
0: Fucked up. They but get it's back okay. to
1: their hotel? Someone had programmed all the TVs in their hotel to show death threats to the players.
0: And they said that this one player, Barabbas, he had to be pulled or they would murder the whole team and all their
1: families. That's what the televisions in their hotel said. You can imagine how horrifying this is. Now The it, coach says, look, I I had to. I didn't want to do that. But this was the regional rivalries back home. They wanted them to play... A specific cartels associated teams players so that was the logic on the world stage to get them to be more valuable but of course but, but it's hurting the national team yeah
0: those players have to do good and win if they're not as good as barabbas a key player
1: it's it's beyond rationale at this point this is where we go back to what we saw at the very beginning of the movie well, they're talking about their mentality going into the game against the United States. They just received all these death threats. One of the players' brothers was murdered back home. They're talking about witchcraft and this dark hand over the whole team. And what do these want to They know they Pab- have to win.
0: What do these wannabe Pablo's think's going to happen if they threaten like death of their families under their? National soccer team.
1: Well, there's also these rumors that the drug lords have placed massive bets on the Colombian team to win. (laughs) Yeah. And after they got upset by Romania in the first team, game of the World Cup, they really have to win now. Man, whoever bet on Romania,
0: (laughs) they're still counting that money, right?
1: But this is crazy, seeing this game against the United States that, again, I remember from the point of view as a United States soccer fan, a young one at this point, but I remember these players. I remember the Colombian team. These these really exciting players. The crazy shock of blonde hair from Carlos Valderrama, who became an international superstar at this World Cup. Yeah, he stands out. That goalie H- Higuita. We saw he wasn't playing in the World Cup, but we saw highlights of him. Uh, Was it Lionel? These guys were names big time. I remember these players watching them play soccer and then remember as a United States point of view, this United States team. This again, this was a big deal for America where we were expecting this to be a watershed moment in U.S. soccer where we started really caring and pulling it together and winning. There was Tony Miola, the goalkeeper, and they show Alexi Lalas for a second. They don't mention any of these guys because this movie is from the Colombian side yeah. point of view. We see some
0: great U.S. saves too.
1: Yeah, we we see this Miola and Alexi Lalas and these names that we remember from kind of this turning point, in American soccer moment. This game was such a... Well, you remember. ...a big moment <laughs> if you're a sports fan of this sure, era. <laughs> sure. Especially as a soccer fan. I mean, Alexi Lalas is still one of the bigger names as a, yeah. as a soccer commentator now. That sounds
0: familiar for sure.
1: So we're seeing this game now, but it's totally from the other side. We're seeing what Colombia was thinking going into this game, how important it was to them, and... I'm feeling some feels here because before I was just cheering like, woo US let's go. And now you see this game and Colombia can't score. They've got opportunities, but they're getting stopped and I'm picturing myself cheering for the US team. And then we're talking about how much stress these players were under. Yeah. This incredible situation they were putting in. What
0: worse kind of stress should there be short of someone chasing you on the field with like a drill or some shit.
1: And then we see the moment. When Andres slides to try to stop a cross in the box and accidentally kicks the ball into his own goal, you know, the goal, the goaltender,
0: it was very interesting. The goaltender describes it and blames himself because he wasn't watching what he said he needed to be watching.
1: Eh, This one was not on him, he was watching (laughs) the player who was supposed to be receiving the cross, yeah, who would be shooting. But yeah, he wasn't able to turn back in time when it was deflected by Andres Escobar, his own his own star fullback, it's, it, defender on the Colombian team. It's hard not to feel for Andres and the team, though, because
0: their kids' heads could be in vices back home, for all we
1: know. Oh yeah, now we have the other side of this story, and we, we know what happens next. And it's just such a, and the documentary does such a good job, too. This is the moment of the documentary, and it shows it from all angles— it shows the reactions of the people. What it doesn't show is what happened next, really. It doesn't show the rest of the soccer game. Yeah, The United States ends up winning the game 2-1. to one. We don't see the other two goals. We saw the, the own goal by Escobar that ends up being the difference in a one-goal game. We don't see the next game of the World Cup where... Colombia beat Switzerland 2 to nothing. But that game didn't matter because the loss to the United States eliminated them from the World Cup Beating the Swiss is no,
0: no, it's no slouch right
1: there But they won that game, they were eliminated And were focused in again on this moment, this own goal And then them going back to Colombia And they're all staying in their houses They are staying inside, they are not leaving They have bodyguards It's Catching Hell 2.0, Drew They get back home and Andres is among his family and his people. And he says, I can't stay in all the time. I have to go out and show my face and be among my people. So he goes out to a nightclub. Andres is presented as someone with a sense
0: of honor. And even in his mistakes, he wants to, to face it and do the best he can. He wants to use sport to be a huge force of positivity for his country. Sometimes it works, but I mean, it's just so out of character to see a player like that accidentally score on himself.
1: This was the only time he'd ever had an own goal in his long soccer career. Yeah, probably including when he was a kid. And again, he's just waiting now to go to Milan to play an Italian Series A. He's a, he's a big deal. He was the captain, he's the gentleman of the field. Well, he goes out to the nightclub, and they kill him in his car. The
0: night of, he goes to the club, he's buying people drinks... Uh, he's, of course, getting insults over the goal. Andre's uh, Andre decides to leave, and people follow him. Andre confronts the people following him, telling people to calm the fuck down. We can all move on. And then a shooter walks up and pops him six times in his car. But a lot of people were paying attention, and they got the license plate for the shit and linked it to the Gallon brothers, who are associated with the Pepe's. Popeye says that Castana who you remember, betrayed Pablo to for, help form the Pepe's. He meets he meets the Guayans. The Guayans pay him three million dollars, and Castano buys off the prosecutors. But someone does get arrested, and, uh, just a, a bodyguard. Pat- yeah, a fucking patsy, basically, and he's released eleven years later on good behavior.
1: In the meantime, Colombia people are giving speeches. There's 2,000 people in a processional in Medellin for Andres Escobar. They're praying for him. It's just another moment that completely changes the course of this country. They said this soccer team, this World Cup, was the thing that was going to show the world, like it did in that Argentina game, that Colombia wasn't just drug dealers and murderers. It was also this great soccer team that conducted itself with integrity and was led by the gentlemen of the field. And when he goes home after that soccer game, and gets murdered, they give up. They yeah. said, "No, look, there's the stereotype again. Maybe you, this actually is what we are."
0: You, the, you, when you're watching the deep sorrow of people mourning Andre's death, a half hour earlier into the documentary, we're watching deep sorrow people mourning Pablo. Popeye states the Pepe's killed Pablo and Andre, and there was no rules. They they reiterate this again. Pablo had rules. That was the difference. Between the state of things now and the state of things then.
1: People interviewed for this all say that if Pablo Escobar had still been alive, Andres Escobar would still be alive also. Because he wouldn't allow a murder like that. And that he actually cared about soccer. Castano didn't care about soccer. May I mention that Andres Escobar was just one more murder that he could make money off by bribing some judges to make it go away?
0: They said that Andres... He was a soccer player that was killed by society. When they were talking about how they're trying to salvage what little is left of Team Nacional at this point, Popeye describes the process like, El presidente Gaviria pagó un gran dinero a nivel internacional para lavar la imagen de Colombia.
1: En esa época lavar la imagen de Colombia es como cuando se tiene gonorrea y viene y le echan alcohol en el pene. La gonorrhea está fuerte y está por dentro, así estaba en esa época.
0: Treating gonorrhea by pouring alcohol on your penis. You should clip that one for sure.
1: <laughs> you can't do that because it's inside. <laughs> Thanks, Popeye. W- that was my go-to uh, <laughs> comparison as well. It's a, Spanish, it's a Spanish sentence I want to memorize. It's an old Confucius saying, I believe. <laughs> but the fans are disillusioned. The players are disillusioned. Fans stop going to the games because this isn't it isn't the hopeful thing anymore. It's not the, the thing that's going to prove Colombia is more than just violence and drugs. The fans don't have this hopeful moment to rally around. They stop showing up. The players are given up to 20 bodyguards <laughs> each at this point, and they start quitting the team. Like, I can't live a normal life like this. I just want to live a normal life. They start quitting the soccer team. Valderrama doesn't even play anymore. And this golden era of Colombian soccer is over. The president of Colombia decides this is the best time to get this drug money out of soccer. We can't have trying to salvage this desperately. Like yeah. We can't have any ties anymore. Which kills. So they crack down so hard on all of this narco soccer that had been happening. Any drug money in soccer. These guys are all getting arrested now. They cracked down on it. And you know what? Without the money anymore, they can't pay the players. Yeah. They can't bring in the foreign coaches and trainers. And by the next World Cup in 1998, Colombia's there, but they're ranked 34 where yeah. they were four just four years ago. We know there's Colombian national teams nowadays, but, and
0: uh, I guess. They, they The the murder rate, they do point out, has dropped significantly over the years. That's good. Well, Colombia was also like the highest in the world at one point,
1: right? Yeah, during the Pablo Escobar and the Pepe's time, Colombia had the highest murder rate in the world. Yeah. Now that they crack down on it, soccer sucks. Without the drug money, Colombian soccer goes back to being crappy. But they're trying to at least do it right this time. They get the drug money out, the... Government's caring about what's going on right now. And yeah, by 2009, that murder rate is cut in half. And kids are still on these soccer fields. Some of them, which are probably the same ones that were built by Pablo Escobar. yeah, They're still growing up playing soccer. And we end on this newspaper article that Andres Escobar was asked to write two days after he scored that own goal. And they quote the whole thing. But he wrote this column for the newspaper, and he ended it. The last line of this column says that life doesn't end here. This moment after that own goal that felt like the end of the world for the Colombian team. Yeah. Says, look, life doesn't end here. You can take that from uh, him wanting to move on
0: from that mistake, or life doesn't end here, you can uh, interpret it spiritually. Andre was a spiritual dude.
1: Then his ass got murdered.
0: Then his ass got
1: murdered. They do mention that the Colombian national team had not qualified for a World Cup since then. Yeah. But they end on this hopeful note that kids are playing soccer again, that life doesn't end here, that they've managed to get this murder rate down, that they got the narco soccer, the drugs out of the soccer team. I and mean... this movie came out in 2010. By the 2014 World Cup, Colombia was back in it. And they went on a run. They Ooh. made it all the way to the quarterfinals. James Rodriguez was the leading scorer in that World Cup, a Colombian superstar of a next generation. They played in the 2018 World Cup as well. Nice. So the last two World Cups after this movie was made, Colombia was back in it. And this slow growth seems to be paying off. And let's be real. Who's doing the cocaine now? Because
0: no one's ever not doing the cocaine. (laughs) Yeah, cocaine's over. It's, yeah, it's no, done.
1: Cocaine's not over. There's who's, no more of it. Who's doing the cocaine now? <laughs> I've seen it. Who's doing the cocaine? What? What are you talking about? I thought this was the hopeful ending. It was. It was gone. No don't, more. Don't tell me there's no cocaine. I've seen it, <laughs> Drew. We don't
0: rate this sad, sad tale in stars. It's just inappropriate. What is appropriate is injecting the German filmmaker Werner Herzog into this film by rating it. One, you give it one through five Herzogs. I'll give it one through five Herzogs. Mash them together for the perfect goal of however many Herzogs out of ten.
1: I like to call the best players on any sports team the uh, the Herzog players. Yeah.
0: Uh, what's your Herzog player?
1: You're a true Herzog. Super Herzog.
0: True, what'd you think of this film, The Two Escobards, by the Zimbalist brothers?
1: This is one of the best known 30 for 30s out there. And... It's for a reason. It's so well done. Some of the cuts are kind of jarring when they have to go back and forth between the stories of the two Escobars. It seems like interesting choices where they made that transition. Because let's face it, you go from an all-out drug war on the street against the government to Andres praying in his Bible while he reads soccer. Yeah. <laughs> it, these stories aren't exactly the same. <laughs> but, but they th-
0: come from the same source.
1: They do, and it it ends together with this similar similar motion, this complete change in a country that happens based around this story. And maybe there's a lot of romanticizing on both sides of both Escobars in this film. But they also show the horror, and they show a lot of the horror in graphic detail. You can't avoid the terrible things that happen throughout this movie when you're watching it. It is intense. (laughs) It is emotional. And it also has a whole lot of sick highlights. Yeah. But it doesn't feel, it doesn't drag at any point. Even with those decisions to cut back and forth between the two stories, at no point was this dragging to me. It seems like it was much shorter than its actual runtime. And it had me absolutely riveted.
0: It's good shit.
1: In a way that very few uh, documentaries in whole, let alone 30 for 30s, just absolutely draw you into the story and again just the way that it showed you the other side of something i as a sports fan remember this game so clearly but i had no idea of the entire side from the colombian point of view and what this meant and how much went into getting to that point for them and what happened after that point for them i was not even a teenager yet when that game happened and i was probably like oh no they're that Escobar guy hit an own goal. They're probably going to kill him back in Colombia, that drug country. <laughs> yeah. And then when it happened, you're like, oh, well, guess they did. Yeah. Here's the whole story of that. Here's the story of the country. They don't, sw- they don't take away from it at all. They don't lose focus. They don't go into later on soccer games. They keep tight to this story and what it means. They don't care about the American team at all. This, this isn't their story. There's none of that aside from showing them in that game. And it's just, again, it's just so well done all the way through and it it pulls you in and it means something. I'm going to give it four out of five. Ooh, four out of
0: five. I thought you were going to hit like a 4.5, maybe. I thought about it for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can't help but mirror, I mean, mirror most of what you're saying there. I think uh, a lot of these 30 for 30s, they really try hard to balance not only the sports story, but the environment that the sports story is happening in. And some films do it better than others, and this one is a high watermark in the the ESPN film series, for sure. I thought it was so well done. You mentioned the music. Uh, The music was very effective, but it wasn't imbalanced. The drama wasn't imbalanced. Everything seemed to, while you did get this contrast in behaviors of Andres and Pablo, you never forgot where it all came from and where it comes from and that's the poverty aspect of it and it was interesting to kind (laughs) of feel kind of sympathetic some in some moments even for a fucking drug kingpin it was bizarre but this film it could have been another hour i probably would have been fine with it Uh, you could this could be like a, a 10 episode series on netflix with the the amount of drama that really was coming out of Colombia during this time. Absolutely. And and it could still be all about soccer in every episode as well. The Zimbalist brothers, you did a good job. I'm going to give it 4.5.
1: I also wanted to mention just the quality of the interviews that they got were unbelievable. And the footage that they had as well. I can't give it a perfect score. Because it, it did seem a little bit too romanticized towards its subjects. Sure. The two Escobars and mm-hmm. that. And of course you're going to have some of that. I'm sure Andres is a lot more flawed than maybe they talked about. Yeah. In this book, know. he's a gentleman on the field. He reads his Bible and he gives to the poor kids. Sure. Which, yeah, the guy who got murdered for a mistake in a soccer game. Yeah. And they, had, they even pulled the quote from his nephew. That said when that own goal was scored in the game, they were watching it. And he turns to his mother, Andre's sister, and says, Mommy, they're going to kill Andre's. And she replies and says, No, I mean, people don't get killed for a mistake. It's dramatic, but it's believable. And the just the quality of the interviews. You're right, man. I'm going to give it a 4.5. Yeah. I can't go perfect, but...
0: If you're going to have a bunch of talking heads, make sure they're interesting. And then this one... Most of them were. Popeye
1: and Jaime. <laughs> These guys are interesting and they're honest and they <laughs> are just unrepentant too. Even
0: descendants of other cartels. It was just in, You're just getting a glimpse into the culture of them and how they see each other. It's just a brief window, but it was very fascinating.
1: And they had so many highlights from FIFA's archives that they got access to as well. Yeah. Just the soccer footage in this and the footage of the violence on the streets of Colombia.
0: A good film in regard they, to soccer.
1: They put the work in to history. make this documentary. Yeah. editing. Was Let's good. reward it here on the documenteers. <laughs> <laughs> You're going
0: to give it 4.5. I give it 4.5. That is 9 out of 10 Herzogs for the two Escobars by the Zimbalist brothers. I assume I'm pronouncing that right. It sounds fun to say it that way. <laughs> Zimbalist. And uh, they got a shorty out there too. We'll get to it someday. We'll get to it. But in the meantime, and I hope you get a good turkey. Are you leaving town for Thanksgiving this year? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll, well, be, I'll be seeing some family. Well, you know if you're ever uh if you're ever staying in Nashville, you're always welcome to my home.
1: Hey, I appreciate you. And I appreciate being here on the documenteers and getting to talk sports in all different formats. That's and right. And great movies like this one. And I just wish you'd wear pants when we do this. Look, everybody's got their own style, all right? Yeah. <laughs> you,
0: it is amazing how long you can maintain interaction.
1: Radio. Nobody has to know.
0: <laughs> we keep it raw, and
1: we keep it docking. But hey, man, what, where's how how good is your goal call? Can you be a Spanish soccer announcer? Because we got
0: a lot of. You know,
1: 15 years of smoking. Man, that was furious. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking you were going to be more like, go. That was great so many golazos de la ya
0: que por mataron canilla recordando de